First Kings chapter number 17. First Kings chapter number 17. And we're going to continue our series that we've started the last few weeks on faith. We've been talking about a life of faith, and uh, you, we've been studying Hebrews chapter number 11, and we'll go back to that chapter next week. But for Mother's Day, I, I really want to focus on a mom that had faith, a mom that was full of faith in her life, and, and really what she taught her son through that faith, and what she teaches us today through that very same faith. So 1 Kings chapter 17, uh, before I read the passage, we're going to be reading from verse 8 to verse 16, but before I read that, let me give you a little context of, of the book of 1 Kings. The book is about the kings of Israel. In fact, that's why the title is the First Kings. It's because it tells the story of what happened after King David left the throne. His son Solomon comes to the throne. God had already given a covenant to David that through your seed, through your family, down the line, a Messiah will be born. So the book of Kings is following that line. Uh, now, if you know a little bit about the story of Israel, you'll know that after Solomon, his son Rehoboam uh, divided the kingdom, not because he wanted to, but mainly because of the disobedience of Solomon to God's word. And as part of that judgment, he divided the kingdom. And so there was a king in the, in the south, Rehoboam, who was Solomon's son. And then Jeroboam was the king in the north. He was a servant of Solomon and uh, became king of the 10 tribes of Israel that were on the northern part of the country. And uh, so the rest of the book of 1 Kings and 2 Kings really goes through the line of each king that served. Those that served as kings in the northern kingdom, and then those that served as kings in the southern kingdom, which was David's family. So the whole focus of the book is just to show you that over the years, through different times and different seasons, God was faithful to his promise to provide what he was going to provide, which is the Messiah. He kept that line alive, and that's the really the big picture of the book of Kings. That, uh, and through that, you see that the people of Israel were not faithful to God. There were times where they would repent and, and change what they were doing and begin to honor and follow God. And then there were other times that they, uh, they would get away from what God's word said. There was kings that would not honor the, the word of God and set up policies there in both kingdoms that did not uh, honor God. In fact, many of them worshiped, especially in the northern kingdom, the false god named Baal. And Baal was the god of, of thunder and storms, and, and they worshipped him because they were an agricultural kind of uh, people, and, and so they needed rain, and, and so many of them turned away from the living God and began to serve Baal, and, and God brought judgment on them. And whether they were following God and being faithful to God's word or being unfaithful and not following God, the whole point of the book is that God was still faithful that God was still going to fulfill the promise that he made that he would send a Messiah through King David's line. That's the big picture of the book of First and Second Kings. Within that story is the story we're going to read about. It's the story of Elijah, one of God's prophets that was sent to the northern kingdom to, to tell this king, King Ahab, that he needs to repent and turn back to God. And, and uh, Ahab was very stubborn. 
He, um, in fact, not only did he not do that, he increased the worship to Baal in the, in the northern kingdom. And so God brings judgment. In fact, Elijah tells King Ahab, it's not going to rain anymore until I say it's going to rain. God told me, go tell the king, King Ahab, that I will let you know when it rains again. But until then, it will not rain. So Elijah does that. As he does that, of course, King Ahab doesn't like him. King Ahab begins to blame him for all of now the suffering that comes as a result of having a drought. And uh, Elijah has to hide. And God takes him to the brook Cherith. And he's there hiding. The ravens are bringing him food to eat. And from the brook, he's drinking water. And that's how he's uh, living day to day. But one day comes where the brook dries up and God sends him, listen to this, to a single mom in a different country. To a widowed mom who has no husband, who has no one there helping her. She has a small little son and she's in a different country. In fact, she's from the country where Baal worship started. God says, Elijah, I want you to go there. And there I have a single mom that's going to take care of you. Now, let me just say, in today's culture, if I said, you know what, we're going to start a program to help people in need, and I'm going to need all the single moms to open up their homes and apartments because that's where we're sending everybody. You would look at me and go, are you crazy? Did you know that single moms, listen, it's hard to get by as it is, all right? It's hard enough to find enough work to feed my own mouth. I got to feed my son's mouth, and and, uh, and now you're wanting me to feed just anybody that comes off the street to, to help them out? I mean... That doesn't happen. Even in today's culture, we wouldn't do that. In the day and age in which the story that we're about to read happens, it was even worse. There was no programs to help single moms. There wasn't anything that was going to be a relief to this widow. There was no programs in the government that were going to help her. There was no nonprofit organizations that were there helping the people of the city. She was there just living day to day as best as she could. And God tells Elijah, go there. You're going to find a widow there. She doesn't know who you are. You don't know who she is. She's not an Israelite. She's in the middle of a people that don't worship me, that don't follow me. And she's going to support you. Now, that's kind of crazy. But that's what God tells Elijah to do. And that's where we pick up the story. Notice what it says in verse number eight. First Kings 17, eight. And the word of the Lord came unto him saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks right now that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and 
after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail until the day that the Lord setteth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. It's an unbelievable story. An unbelievable subplot to the, to the whole picture of this first book of Kings. This young mom. Now, I say that she's young. The Bible doesn't say, but she had a child that really couldn't feed himself, couldn't work, uh, couldn't even help her gather sticks, looks like. So uh, it's probably uh, a, a child of maybe, you know, four or five years of age. And this single mom in a foreign land is having to provide for a prophet that she doesn't know. She's going to have to exercise a faith that she didn't even know she had. But the faith that she had was a real faith. She taught her son some great lessons. And what's amazing is through that whole, if you saw the eight verses that we read, she doesn't speak to her son once. But she taught him a lot. Do you know that real faith in the life of a person is better learned by seeing than by hearing. We actually grow and mature faster in life when we see something modeled and not just talked about. I think if you're a teacher in school today, you know that to be true. In fact, as you're going through college and trying to get your educational degree, you'll, uh, you find that they do studies and they share with you what they found of studies of, of uh, how much one learns more if they're doing more than just hearing information. I, I don't remember exactly the statistics, but I know there is a certain percent that you learn by hearing. There is a certain percentage that you learn by seeing and hearing. And the most that you learn is when you're writing, seeing, and hearing. Well, in our faith, it's very much the same. In the Christian life, you're actually going to grow and mature faster and more if you're learning through seeing faith modeled in the life of someone. You know, so many times we, we don't see what we want in our children or maybe someone we want to influence with, uh, with the gospel of Christianity. And the reason is because we mistakenly believe sometimes that if we just talk about it, then people learn it. And the Christian life and a life of faith is more than just talking about the Bible. It's more than just knowing things. And that's why uh, if you really want to impact uh, your, your coworker, if you really want to impact your classmate, teenager, you're going to have to live out your faith. It's got to be more than just knowing what John 3.16 says. Right? Uh, th th there's more to it. Real faith is learned so much faster by seeing than by hearing. And it's so important for us to realize that and understand that. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of the story of um, the little boy that was talking to his dad. And he said, hey, dad, um, did, did, did grandpa make you go to church when, when you were my age? And uh, the dad looked at his son. And he said, yes, he did. Every Sunday we were there in church. 
And the boy looked at him and he got real sad and he goes, well, I guess it's not going to help me either, is it? <laughs> Sorry, that was a really bad joke, wasn't it? But it illustrates what, uh, what I'm trying to say, and that is it, it's more than just talking, right? Our faith is going to get into the life of someone else by them seeing us model it. Now, in this passage, in this story, we see faith modeled not by the prophet Elijah, though there is some faith that he is exercising, but really by this single mom. We see some great faith and some great lessons that she had learned in her life and applied and lived that had an impact even in her son as he grew older. I want you to notice just how much uh, we can learn from this, from this mom and what she modeled by her faith. I want you to notice, first of all, if you're taking notes, uh, that uh, she modeled in her faith, serving others is something we can do at any time. That serving others is something we can do at any time. Now, in our world today, Christianity needs to be modeled more than ever. It's important for, for moms, for you to know, and this doesn't just go for moms, it goes for dads as well, but since it's Mother's Day, I'm going to direct myself to, to moms, that the greatest gift that you can give your child is a real faith, is a real example of a life of faith. That's the greatest gift. I, I can tell you, growing up in a Christian home, that the greatest thing I learned from my mom was just watching her. I, I really can't tell you. There are some things that, that I can tell you that were really peculiar to her uh, of what she used to say. Like uh, when things smelled really bad, she said, it smells like yarn. I have no idea what that means other than it just meant to me that it smelled really, really bad. Um, I think she said it was a word from the South. I don't know. Maybe she made it up. I have no idea. There are things like that that she said to me, but those didn't have the greatest impact in my life. And if you reflect in your own life, you can probably say that the greatest, the greatest lessons you learned from your mom were things that you saw in her, things that she modeled. We see that the single mom modeled this truth that serving others is something we can do anytime. You see... As Elijah reaches Zarephath in verse number nine, he comes into the city, sees, sees this widow. She's gathering uh, sticks near the, 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 the gate of the city. By the way, the gate of the city, that's, that's just, I want, I want to give you this because you're going to see it a lot in the Old Testament and maybe sometimes in the New Testament. The, 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 uh, the gate of the city was city hall. Okay, The gate of the city is where every city did its business. So every political person was at the city gates. Uh, they would be there deciding what they're going to be doing as a city, what programs they're going to be starting, what policies and laws they were implementing. Everything happened there at the gate of the city. So when you read that, understand this is a place of like importance. The, there are there are you know uh, mayors and and city officials, uh, city council members. They're all there at the city gate, and it's interesting to me that none of them turned to help Elijah. Elijah's not looking to any of them to help him. God said there'll be a widow there that will help you. So as he gets to the city gate, he doesn't look at the political officials. He looks at who God told him to look for. He finds this widow and she's, she's there gathering these sticks and, and, uh, and looking for you know, what she's going to use these sticks for, which is to cook. And, 
And uh, as, as Elijah sees her, he's probably 50-50. He's like, maybe that's, that's the widow. I don't know. He doesn't know her. It's not like she's wearing a sign that says widow, so he doesn't know. But he sees her and he says, uh, Mount, um, could, could you give me a little bit of water? Now, um, that seems like such a small request. In fact, one commentary that I was reading in the Hebrew, the way he says it is so, so soft and so, the, the, the commentator says it's hard to even translate in, in English the meaning, the, the emotion behind what he's saying. He, he was asking as nice as possible, as loving as possible, like, Mount, could you give me a, a little bit of water? I'm just thirsty. And, and you notice that she went to fetch it. So, so here's the thing. She's modeling this. You can serve others at any time, right? Anytime you can serve others. And how do you do that? You do that by giving of what you have. Now, asking for a little bit of water is not much. You would almost say like, that's such a small request. It's almost insignificant. I'm not even sure why it's written here. Like, what, what would you write about something? it's 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 kind of like you know somebody writing about an experience here at church and i was walking through the lobby and i asked the lady could could you move real quick i gotta get by you you're gonna write that in a story like why is there a purpose to that why why did you share something so insignificant something so small but you got to understand what's going on there's been a drought it hasn't rained for about a year at this point water is a pretty high commodity and what he's asking for, even though it's very, very small favor, just, just a little bit of water, that's a big thing when there's no water to be given. When there's a limited amount of water, that, that, that's a pretty big request. And yet, she does it. She had water. And she says, okay, I'll get you some water. Man, you know, it's so impressive to see what she modeled there. Because she was willing to share what she had. We, we can serve anyone at any time. But the way we're going to do that is by sharing what we have. Let me ask you something. What is something that you have that you shared this last week? What, what was something at work that you got that you were willing to share with your coworkers? Or young people at school? What was, what was something that you received that you shared with a classmate? You know, so, sometimes we, we can really excuse ourselves to not serve God. because, all right, Well, what am I getting? I have nothing to give. We all have something to give. Everyone does. Sometimes we only want to serve in certain areas. I, I have found growing up in church that there are people that only want to serve in church. But if it's on Monday morning, they're not serving. If it's a Saturday afternoon and you're asking me to come and, and there's a work day, are you kidding me? No, no, no. I, I'll help on Sunday. Sure. But we noticed that this mom, her faith was so real. It was so important in her life that she was just modeling, look, you know what? You can serve anyone at any time if you just give what you have. I love the story of Moses and Exodus chapter 4, Moses is trying to give excuses to God for why he can't serve. And notice, I put it in your notes. He says, but they won't believe me nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, the Lord hath not appeared unto thee. Right? I mean, they're not going to listen to me. Who are you? And look what the Lord said. The Lord said unto him, what is in thine hand? 
And he said, Arise. What's in your hand? It's amazing. We can serve anyone at any time, but you got to give what you have. Well, what do I have? I don't know. You tell me. Maybe a kind word or an encouraging word. Maybe something that someone else needs. I mean, we serve by giving what we have. Let me tell you, secondly, we serve when we make it a priority to serve. It's amazing because she was already doing something. Her job wasn't, hey, wait for Elijah to tell you what to do. She was already doing something. She didn't even know this guy. And he comes and he asked for some water. She's like, okay, I have some water. I'll give you some water. Then he stops her and now he's asking for something to eat. And she's serving him. She stopped what she was doing for herself to serve him. In other words, serving was a priority in her life. I got to ask this. How, how high of a priority is serving in our lives? I mean, is that important to us at all? Or is that something that we just do when we're in a convenient place at a convenient time? Is, something in, uh, is serving something important for us to accomplish in our week? You know, many times in life, the opportunity to go and serve others comes at a time when we're not even looking for it. She's gathering sticks to make a meal. Someone's asking her to serve. Not what she planned to do that day. Wasn't on her schedule. But because serving was a priority, she took time to do it. First truth I want to share with you that we learned from this mom. She didn't say anything. She didn't preach. She didn't give a whole speech. She just served. Let me give you a second truth really quick as time's getting away from us. Second truth, faith must be greater than fear. She modeled that faith must be greater than fear. This second request was a much bigger request than just the water. She had water, yes, and she was willing to share it, yes. She must have had more water than she had food because when he asks for food, it's the first time we see her speak. And what does she say? She says, let me tell you the situation. What was your name again? Elijah, Elijah, I know you're a prophet. I can see. I can tell by the way you're dressed. Let me just say what exactly I was doing when I was gathering sticks. I'm just going to make a meal. (laughs) The drought is so bad, I don't have enough bread. All I have is for one more cake here that me and my my son are going to split, and the oil can cook for that, and that's it. And then we're going to die. And notice what Elijah says. The way he he answered her was this. He said, go ahead and keep doing what you're planning to do. He said, but feed me first. Now, before he even tells her that, there are two words. In verse, I think it's 13, notice what it says. And Elijah said unto her, what is his first two words? And Elijah said unto her, fear not. In other words, ma'am, you're going to have to exercise some faith. You're going to have to believe what I'm about to tell you. Because what I'm about to tell you is what God said to tell you. Fear not. You see, faith must be greater in our life than fear. Now, in reality, 
all real faith is great faith because it requires us to believe that more than our fears and our doubts, right? So any faith that you have that's a real faith is a great faith. But notice, notice about her great faith, that great faith acts in impossible circumstances. She's saying, listen, uh, prophet, I have enough food for me and my son. I don't have enough food for you. And he says, fear not. Don't worry about it. Do what you're going to do. You're going to cook for, listen, you're going to cook for, for your, your son and, and for yourself, but, but cook for me first. Just don't, don't, don't worry about it. Cook for me first, though. And that is, a, that is great faith. And great faith shows itself in our lives during impossible circumstances. Now, that can be really discouraging if you're someone here this morning and says, I want to have a life of great faith. Great. What you're asking God is for impossible circumstances to come into your life. Now, that might sound like, man, that doesn't sound fun. And it really... It really doesn't sound fun, but it is fun. It's, it's amazing because when we exercise that great faith, God does the impossible. And listen, as Christians, we, we, we got we to gotta detach ourselves from wanting to live a life that is just normal. The Christian life is not a normal life. It's an extraordinary life. It's not ordinary. It's, it's, it's a life that's full of making the impossible we find that this mom had great faith because she acted in impossible circumstances. She had great faith based on God's word. Elijah said, this is what the, the word of the Lord that was given to me says to give to you. All great faith is based on the word of God. And that continues even today. God doesn't always tell us what he's going to do, but he has promised that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's promised that he'll meet every need that we have. Philippians chapter 3. My God shall supply all thy needs according to his riches and glory. Philippians 3.19. That's not changed. But it does require great faith to act on that promise, on that truth. When Peter first met Jesus, Jesus said, hey, I need you to throw your net into the other side of the boat and there's some fish there. Peter said, we fished all night, <laughs> okay? We haven't caught anything. But then he said this in verse number five, Luke 5, 5, I put it in your notes. He says, we've toiled all night, have taken nothing. Nevertheless, he says, at thy word. Just because you said, he exercised great faith based on what Jesus said. This woman, this mom, single mom in impossible circumstances, exercised great faith. Because she said, if that's what God said, then I'll do that. Verse number 15 says, and she did it. <laughs> Amazing. Let me give you the third truth, and we'll be done. Number one, everyone, we can, we can serve some, someone anytime. Serving others, we can all do that at any time. Number two, our faith needs to be greater than our fear. Let me tell you the third lesson that she taught her son. Not with her words, but with her life. Obedience leads to blessings in life. Obedience leads to blessings in life. It's amazing she does that. She follows what God says. And you know what happens when she reaches in to get more oil after she's cooked for Elijah? 
there's more oil, more oil there in the barrel. When she reaches in to get some more dough, there's more dough in the barrel. The impossible has been made possible all because of obedience. Obedience led to blessings in her life. Did you know for the next two and a half years, she'll be going into that barrel and getting oil and going into that barrel and getting dough for the next two and a half years. Every time she reaches in, it's there. You know, the blessings of God in our life come as a result of our obedience to him. Obedience. God's blessings, I want you to notice this in verse 15, help us and others around us. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, verse 15, and she and he and her house. You see, when you obey, God blesses you, but he blesses those around you as well. That's pretty amazing. God blesses you and those around you when you obey. You say, man, I want my, I want my children. I, I want them to, 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 to be protected, and I, and I want them to be provided for, and I want them to, to enjoy life, and then obey God. Because as you obey, God will bless your children. Because that's how God works. God's blessings through obedience bless you, but they also bless those around you. I won't forget the time that I got married that my dad said, okay, it's now time for you to go and earn your blessings as well. He said, you've been living in my house all your life. And I prayed for you. And I did my very best to obey God's word and God's will in my life. And because of that, God's blessed you. But now you're going to form your own home. And Jeremy, now you're going to have to decide will you obey God or not? So that he might bless your children and bless those around you. Let me give you this last truth connected to that. By the way, you see that in Genesis chapter 7, verse 1. Genesis 7, 7, Noah blessed his family, his wife, his kids, his kids' wives, just because he obeyed. Let me give you this last. God's blessings continue as promised. Verse 16, I love it because it's almost like an exclamation point. The author, you know, whoever's writing this, this letter of 1 Kings, he, he, he's, he's saying, and you know what happened? It continued. And the barrel, the meal did not waste, and the oil kept coming, and it just did. And he repeats that two times. In verse 14, Elijah said, this will happen. You'll have this blessing. But in verse 16, he says, and it continued. God's blessings continued. Next couple of years, there she was. Can I just say that today, God is still the same. His blessings and promises are as sure today as they were when that young mom believed and obeyed. This Mother's Day, as you read about this widow and as you notice what is written about her, you'll notice she didn't really talk much. But she teaches us a lot. You don't read about the lectures that she gave her son. But man, she taught her son that seeing God do the impossible is possible. She taught her son that if you just serve, if you make that a priority in your life, you'll be able to serve anybody, anytime. 
And if you just learn to conquer your fear through faith, you'll see God do what only he can do. And if you just obey, son, it'll continue these blessings. It won't end with you. But it'll go under your children and then your grandchildren and then your great-grandchildren because you obey. Because that's how the blessings of God work. This morning, I said, I want to challenge you, mom. I want to encourage you. Greatest gift that you can give your son is modeling a real life of faith. It's the greatest gift. I, I don't want to limit that to just moms. Dads, you got the same, the same commandment and the same mission in life. But I'll tell you something. As we're growing up, we spend a whole lot more time around mom than we do around dad. Because of work and because of other things. It's just, listen, um, one thing I was reminded of having our daughter six years apart from our last son is how much they love mom. Like she likes me when she's in a good mood, but that's it, right? But she likes mom all the time. Mom's going to have to model these truths if that daughter's going to be blessed. She's going to learn to serve. If she's going to have a life of real faith, you're going to have to see that in mom. I want to encourage you moms this, this morning. Live a life of real faith. Give that to your children. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for your truth. And, and Father, I know we're, we're out of time today, but while there's so much to learn from this single mom that just had a life of faith, that lived by this faith and modeled that to her son, modeled it even to the prophet Elijah. It was recorded so that we might see that same faith. That even being in a culture like she was and like we are today, faith can still triumph over fear. That there's still great need around us of serving others. And that you're a God that still blesses when we obey. And so, Father, I pray that you help us to live these truths that we saw in the life of this young widow. Oh, that that might describe our life today. Oh, be with us, I pray. Help us to apply this truth into our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.